Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the El Blanco Gigante podcast. Today I have Eddie Olshansky from the Instagram page Trashfish. Welcome, Eddie. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Really appreciate it. Eddie, I've been following your Instagram for a while and uh, it's really cool. I mean, it's awesome to see someone who's dedicated a lot of time to give back to the city of Cleveland. Um, you're just, you, you are a one man cleanup crew that's going out into Lake Erie and picking up all types of different trash and waste and plastic that has made its way into our, uh, our streams. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I mean, sometimes it really does look like it's a one man operation, but we've had, especially this past year, we've been taking volunteers out with us. I got a little fleet of kayaks that we, you know, I have available to lend to volunteers that are interested. So it's been a group effort this year. We had, we had just about a hundred individual volunteers this year, which I was, I, I couldn't believe, you know. That's awesome. How do you, I mean, are people just reaching out to you on your Instagram page saying, how can I help? Yeah, it's mostly, yeah, like word of mouth and Instagram traffic, which like, I mean, I was totally against when this stall started. Like I, uh, I'm not a big social media person. And now here I am, like half of my job basically is trying to, you know, engage with other people on the internet, which I mean, that's, it, it's, it's the best thing for our program, though. I mean, it's, it's great to get all this trash out of the river or whatever. But what it's so much more important that the community understands the problem and is engaged in trying to remediate it, you know, so the Instagram and like social media in general, I guess has been, it's been a blessing, I suppose, to, you know, get as many people involved as possible. So more than I ever imagined. So so what, what led you to going out every day at this point? How did you get started? Well, uh, basically this has just kind of evolved over a couple of years. Uh, I would say like it definitely just started. I started kayaking. I broke my leg actually. And like I fish a lot and like fishing from my wheelchair and crutches was not doing it for me. So I got a kayak and I had never even kayaked before. I bought one and immediately fell in love with it. And as I was venturing out, you know, in my kayak, I started seeing the problem that like now I'm, you know, dedicated to dealing with, but it, it was like, could I, if I can't catch fish, I know I can always like bring back a net full of garbage or whatever. And I would go out before or after work every day and do that. And especially the first winter that I was kayaking, there's a lot less fishing going on in the winter. So I was like, oh, I can really dedicate time to, if I'm going to be out here anyways, I'll just leave the fishing poles at home and start bringing a trash grabber and bringing, you know, trash bags and stuff and really trying to see what I could do. And from there, I was like, I might have to quit my job. Like this is, this is the most rewarding thing I've ever, you know, experienced in my life. And like, I've known this was a problem for a long time, but I was never really pushed in a direction to whole hog, like full force, do something about it until I got in a kayak and I was, you know, eye level with the garbage that I see in the rivers. And I was living out in Pittsburgh at the time, as a matter of fact. And so like this all started out there and I saw their rivers and like, you know, it's a similar to the Cuyahoga, it's a, you know, industrial situation there with their rivers and urbanized, uh, you know, situation. And so they have a lot of the same problems that the Cuyahoga does. And when I would come home on the weekends or whatever, and I'd come kayaking here, I was like, this is, this is, just as big a problem in my hometown as it is here in Pittsburgh and I need to go back and do something about it you know that river 
the Cuyahoga River, the Cuyahoga Valley National Park, Cleveland in general has given me so much in the last 30 years that if I was going to dedicate this time to like bettering a community, I needed it to be my community, you know? So it made me move back and start doing this full time. I quit my job and uh, just kind of saved up as much money as I possibly could to maybe make this a six month trial endeavor, see like what it was like. And uh, I, I can't, can't say I look back and, and want to get another job. I was talking to somebody the other day about nonprofits and um, the saying like you work to put yourself out of business. Like it's unfortunate for like some industries or some sectors of nonprofits, it's, there's no end in sight. Uh, so there will always unfortunately be, um, you know, waste and people throwing their garbage out. Um, but I, I know that a lot of the times it's not necessarily people who are throwing their trash in the, the lake. It's coming from the suburbs. It's coming from, you know, all different sources. So like, where do you think a lot of this is coming from and what are some ways that we could possibly start to slow down? Well, like you're right on the money there, like the so much of the trash that ends up going out into the lake and like of which like I think that there is like 300 some million metric tons of plastic in Lake Erie currently and um, but like most of it yeah like you're saying comes it gets washed in from suburb streets ends in the sewer and then it gets dumped right in the river and flows down the river to my neck of the woods. So, but like, and like you said, so much of it is not, not only is it not people throwing stuff directly in the river, it's not even litter, like litter. I don't even like to use that word because it, it kind of gives the idea that it's your fault. It was your trash. You are the one that let it get into the river. When like, realistically, if you look at the way our waste management system works, not only in this country, but globally, it doesn't matter how careful you are about where you put your trash or your recyclables. It's going to, a, a portion of it is going to be disposed of in not good ways. Like it, it, less than 10% of all the plastic that we make gets recycled. The other 90 something percent either gets put in a landfill, incinerated, or ends up in the environment somewhere, be it, you know, in the Cuyahoga River or in the Pacific Ocean. So you know, it's, it's it, trash fish in and of itself isn't really an anti-litter organization, I would say. I don't have like great terminology for like what we really look to accomplish, but if it was about how much trash we could get out of the river or whatever, I would, you know, I would be out there maybe more or less or whatever, but it's about the experience and it's about having people acknowledge that this is a problem and not see it really as litter, but see it as cause and effect from your own personal decisions. You know, every time you buy a bottle of pop or, you know, get a, you know, whatever plastic material, you know, thing that you have, be it your toothbrush or, you know, uh, the carton from your eggs or whatever, there's a good chance that it's, it's not, it's not going anywhere good, you know, and especially here in Cleveland, we just, found out publicly, at least in the last year, that like we don't recycle here. Everything that you put in the blue bin, if you live in the city of Cleveland, gets shipped to a landfill and there it goes. So you're able to um, just do this full time now? Are you receiving donations or you're just living yeah. a lifestyle at this point? 
Um, I wouldn't say that uh, it's comfortable. There's not a lot of money in being a volunteer trash man, but like uh, the community has really stepped up. I mean, it wouldn't have been going on as long as it has without, you know, uh, member support, you know, just like people from the internet or people from my high school that I haven't talked to in 10 years. Like, oh, I saw you on the news or whatever here, you know, here's 20 bucks. Like, thanks for doing what you do. And like that, it, it goes a long way in keeping this project moving, you know, but it's still involves quite a bit of sacrifice from like me and you know people that are close to me so it's it, i'm definitely not making a million dollars a year picking up trash so yeah no nonprofit uh workers ever gonna you know do it for the money yeah right um, basically so if i was looking to make a million dollars i wouldn't be a volunteer trash man i'll tell you that <laughs> uh about how many hours a day do you do you spend out on the river um, so it all kind of just depends. I mean, so much of it is, uh, first of all, I love being able to make my own schedule. You know, I'm never going to be five minutes late for work because I decided that I, I got to, you know, I forgot to brush my teeth or something. So like, I, I like that I can go out whenever I want and still get as much work done as possible. But like, I would say during the summer on like an average day, it's four or five hours for sure in the water. And then like right now during the winter, Right now, I can't even get in, you know, in my normal spots because everything's frozen over, which the river doesn't do that often. And when it does, it doesn't stick around. So this next week's going to be real cold. So we're going to see ice in the river for at least the next week. But um, so like in the winter, like I was saying, it's, you know, it might only be a hour and a half or two hours, you know, until it's just too cold or my gloves get wet or whatever. So, you know, there's there's no end to it. It's not like I ever get to the, get to a spot and I'm like, Oh, we got all the trash out today. Like time to pack it up. So it's, it, it's a struggle to paddle away from trash every time I go out, you know, it didn't change anything really. All it did was expose the facade that is our recycling industry in this, in the world. You know, like we have never, especially in this country, we've never had recycling infrastructure. We've had sorting and cleaning infrastructure that then, yeah, like you have China sending over, you know, cheap goods that Americans want and we buy, and then they come over on these gigantic boats and then they get shipped back to China empty. So China was like, what can we do? Like, let's start taking this like recyclable materials because we're developing and we're, we have a use for recyclable plastics. So we'll take what we can economically recycle, recycle it, and we'll take all the rest of the stuff just to make it feel like they're getting a service and we'll just dump it ourselves or incinerate it ourselves and you know it ends up in the ocean or whatever so that has been going on since the beginning of recycling that was always the way recycling worked when recycling first you know was introduced in this country it, it was never intended to you know to work we can't recycle our way out of this problem now and we were never going to be able to you know even beforehand so all it did was expose what was actually you know, going on right in front of us. So, and the name of that program was again. Uh, it's called National Sword, I believe. Okay. And so, if, you, if you read into it, there's a lot of like good information that says that that was kind of the start of the trade war that we were like involved with in China. That was kind of the tipping point for the U.S. to start putting sanctions in. So, in in a perfect world, we would just start reducing the amount of waste we create. Um, and I've had on a, a sustainable farming expert earlier in the, the season of this podcast, and we also talked about ways that we could reduce and 
um, our food intake and, you know, the amount of food that we consume as a society. Um, it's just really difficult to try to change people's mindset. And then obviously living in a capitalist country to try to tell people stop producing as much. Then they go, well, you're telling, you're telling people they can't have jobs because you're going to put them out of jobs. Um, well, so my response to that kind of is, uh, it, like you said, changing people's minds is very, it's very, very difficult. You know, um, developing new materials, humans are really good at that. So instead of the idea of reduce, 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 which is what we have to do currently with the materials that we have available to us. But if, and like you said, you had a sustainable uh, agriculture, you know, person on and regenerative agriculture, it needs waste. You know, it needs compostable material to function. So instead of reduction in a real perfect world, we would have materials that immediately became more food. If the package that your, you know, food came in, instead of going to a landfill and, you know, degrading and causing pollutant chemicals all over the place, if we could reduce all of the waste basically that we throw away and turn all of that into compostable, organically compostable materials, you're solving so many problems at once. You know, you're, you've got carbon sequestration in the soil, you know, you have uh, regaining uh, farmable lands to make food for people and you're getting rid of our waste problem, you know, but the people who make money on it currently, the oil companies and chemical companies, they don't want to see that happen. They make so much profit off the fact that they taught us all that we need to throw stuff away. You know, if you went back and you asked your grandma or whatever, uh, how do you get your peanut butter? She brings her jar to the store, fills it with peanut butter and brings it back home, you know, and washes it out the next time these companies spent billions of dollars teaching generations after that, that that's no longer the way. And we can just throw stuff away. You never have to worry about it. No responsibility. You know, once you put it in the trash can, it's gone forever and you don't have to worry about it, you know, but then the flip side of that is we tell all our neighbors not to litter and the burden of responsibility is now on us, the consumer, more so than the person who sold us the garbage to begin with. You know, they say the average lifespan of a, you know, plastic water bottle is like 30 seconds. Well, it was garbage before you even gave it to me, you know? So like, why, why are we dealing, why are we allowing all of these products to be sold to us without any sort of, you know, alternative options? So I guess realistically, Trash Fish is a, is a anti-consumerism organization, maybe more so than it is a litter, pro, you know, a litter organization. Because I take these people out there and you see a product that very well could have been yours. It's a brand that you use or maybe you work for the company that produces it. Every single volunteer that I bring out, they find a piece of trash that really relates to their life. And if you pull out a... LaCroix or a Coca-Cola bottle or whatever it is, and you think about that the next time you go to buy one, that's where we win. You know, like getting as much trash out of this river as possible is great, but it's nothing compared to the amount of trash that we can just stop from ever being put in there. One of the interesting posts I, I saw on your Instagram was resonates more with people when they see large amounts of trash, uh, big items of trash, as opposed to like you pulling out 70 pieces of styrofoam that doesn't hit them as hard as seeing like a tire and uh you know 
huge amounts of footballs and, and random uh, bottles and stuff like that. And I think at one point you said you pulled out like 100 pounds of trash in one day. Um, why do you think like that resonates with people more than the little tiny stuff that actually probably makes more of an impact in the long run, the styrofoam that doesn't disintegrate for ever uh, as opposed to like a plastic bottle? Oh yeah, and way more impact. You know, like uh, the plastic bottle floating in the water is not, you know, is doing the same amount of damage, you know, as a larger piece of plastic in the water and getting them out is great. But if you were to look deep in the water with a microscope and you were to see microplastics and nanoplastics and all these things, those are, that's what's actually hurting us, you know, and like microplastics, they say like you, the average human consumes like five grams of plastic a week. That's a credit card's worth, which like that sounds, that it doesn't even sound believable. So don't trust me, I guess, do your own research or whatever, look it up. But like we consume so much, so much plastic and 90% of it or so is, comes from our drinking water. And a lot of the stuff that doesn't come from our drinking water is actually aerated from water put into the air, you know, it's, it, it's atomized or whatever into the air that we breathe. So it was in the water at one point and then it either evaporated with the water or whatever. And now you're breathing it in and all like so much of the plastic problems that we're gonna see coming soon because there, there's not good studies on it. Like we don't even really know definitively how bad this stuff is for us. We just know it's real bad, you know? So it's the stuff that you can't see that is the real damage. And it, it's, it, that's something I, I, if you do get deeper into my posts or whatever, and you don't just look at the photo, you actually like watch some of, you know, I, I try to film me picking up stuff. And like we talk about, you know, certain things or whatever, there's a couple of bad jokes, you know, whatever. So if you read into it and you, and you, you know, get into the, get into the inside baseball stuff on our Instagram page. So you should know that like the stuff that you can't see is what's really hurting you. It's the microplastics, the nanoplastics, and you know, the bits that are just so tiny, you could never even filter them out. We don't have filtration systems that are capable of stopping a lot of this stuff. So it, I, I wish that more people were afraid or not afraid. I wish more people were conscious of the real tiny stuff more so than like, oh yeah. Cause it, I mean, it does feel great when I pull, you know, 150 pounds out of a, out of the river in a day, but that's, you know, it, it, it it's just as, it's just as good for the, our community. If I spend my whole day picking up these tiny, tiny little pieces of plastic that I can find. And I only have a quarter of a trash bag's worth, you know? So it's a I give thought, and take for sure. Yeah. I thought an interesting set you had on there was that like 11 million people in Cleveland get their, you know, drinking water from Lake Erie. And yeah. And, and, you know, more than that in, um, through the Great Lakes themselves, like 20, uh, I think like 40 million people get their drinking water from the Great Lakes in general. Like, I think it's like 10% of the U S population drinks from the Great Lakes and like almost a third of Canadian population drinks from the Great Lakes. You know, if, if they came out tomorrow and said, there's a terrorist attack coming and they're, you know, or armies are invading and they want the Great Lakes, what do me and you do about that? Nothing. We can't do anything. Our government or our military is going to have to take care of it. So you can post about it online and you can, you know, raise a fist and wag your finger all you want. It's easy to do. This is a problem that you, if you want to see a change, you have to do it within yourself to start. Like one person stopping using plastic isn't going to do anything.
but a lot of one person's stopping using plastics that eats away at profits. And that's the only reason that this stuff is generated is for money. So like, if you, if you wanted to make a difference in your life, it comes down to what you spend your money on. And a lot of people are not willing to forego convenience to, you know, it, it, cause it also doesn't help you. Like the, if I get a plastic bottle out of uh, Lake Erie today, it doesn't benefit me or you. It probably doesn't benefit like, you know, our would-be children or whatever. It's generations down the line that are going to see the benefits of the work that we do today. So it, it's, it, there's not a lot of instant gratification involved with, you know, trying to fix the plastics problem right now. It doesn't really help us. It's a problem with a lot of, you know, different things that we're dealing with right now is it doesn't impact us in our normal day-to-day. So we don't really care and we don't really take the time to like stop and go, you know, like I mentioned with the, the sustainable food, like at some point we're going to get, we're going to hit a, a critical point where we just can't go back. Uh, and, you know, at some point, you know, we, we talk a lot about protecting the environment and global warming and all this stuff. And, you know, there's deniers. How are there deniers of like that type of stuff? Like it's, it's, at some point we're going to hit a point with no return and then people are going to wake up and go, Oh shit. But then, it's too late. Like, you know, how fingers do we crossed, fingers crossed that hasn't already passed us, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, it's an imaginary uh, point that, you know, we, we don't, we'll never know if we necessarily have hit it. Um, what, what are some of the interesting things you've pulled out of Lake Erie that like would normally people wouldn't be like, Oh my God, I can't believe that that's like just right there off the bank. I mean, Honestly, look around your house. If you've got it sitting around your house, I've found it in the river. You know, I mean, everything from the normal stuff you'd think about, like plastic bottles and styrofoam and stuff, but, you know, kitchen utensils and definitely anything in your bathroom. So many things get accidentally or purposefully flushed down the toilet. They end up in the river as well, you know, so any basically any household item you could imagine from, you know, whatever. But we've, we've definitely found some interesting things. Um, some of them probably not appropriate for polite podcast talk, but uh, uh, extramarital aids have been a, a, a thing that I've found a couple of times. Um, we found, I found a, a trash bag that was very nicely decorated with some beautiful stickers and things um, floating in the river that I pulled out and was like, I, I wanna know what's inside here. And uh, it was someone's pet cat that had passed. So they gave them like a little, viking funeral or something down the cuyahoga and i ended up finding that so no good but i would say the the weirdest or like scariest to me thing that i've found are nurdles and i don't know if you've ever caught us talking about nurdles on the page but uh, i'm not familiar so a nurdle is basically the raw resin pellets that like all plastic products are made out of so like it, it take you know like whatever you have a plastic cup and uh, that plastic cup started out as 5,000 individual plastic beads that are, you know, dyed and then extruded and made into a product. But those raw pellets, they're very light, they're very small. They get lost in shipping and manufacturing and all over the place. They, I mean, I find if, if I go on a, a just a, a, if I go to just find nurdles, I will never find less than a hundred nurdles in a day. And they're, you know, they're, I can't even, they're, they're smaller than a pea, you know, they're tiny little pieces of plastic, 
but they're, they're very easy to identify, you know, and they're, so we talk about how bad single use plastic is for the environment. This is zero use plastic. It was never even produced into a usable product and it still ended up, you know, uh, a detriment to the environment. So I definitely don't like nurdles. You can find nurdles in basically every water source on the planet from frozen in sea ice in the Arctic to, you know, deep in the Amazon rainforest. If there's water, there's nurdles. That's insane. I, uh, I didn't know that that was a thing. And I'm sure if I looked hard enough, I'd probably find some, but next time I'm at like Lake Erie or Rocky river, I'll, I'll look out for them. I'm, Oh yeah. I'll send you a picture. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I think I, I got a bottle somewhere with like 200 of them in there, but I think it's way upstairs. So, so that, you know, what do you, what do you end up doing with a lot of the things you collect? Are you, I mean, obviously you said city of Cleveland doesn't recycle. So it's not like you can bring it home and put it in your uh, recycling bin. I certainly cannot. And uh, even if we were recycling the standards at which, plastics are denied from the recycling practice is very, uh, the recycling procedure is, is very stringent. If they're too dirty, they can't be recycled. So like 99% of the stuff that I pull out of the river sat in a sewer for months, if not years or whatever. And there's just no, basically no way to decontaminate it to the point where they could recycle it. So basically everything I pull out of the river gets thrown away. I keep some things. I won't lie. I have kind of a extensive trash collection, probably bigger than any of my friends or family, uh, you know, would like to admit is here, but I, I do keep some of the more interesting finds that I have. Any gems you would like to, to point out that you have uh, collected? Um, this year I've found, I, 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 as the, as I work down in the river, I see there are spots where trash gets collected naturally just by the shape of the river or whatever. And so in one of these little trash pits that I've found, the bank is eroding away and it's revealing a lot of the stuff that they put, they bury in the river banks to help fight erosion over the years. So lots of telephone poles and stuff like that. So this year I've uncovered about a dozen like vintage electrical insulators you know, like these like green glass caps that are i think they're really cool they make kind of interesting decorations for around the house but i've got i pulled out easily a dozen of those from one spot just as the as the riverbank keeps you know revealing them i pick them up so how far on lake erie do you travel i know you mentioned like there's like the last six miles is that where you mainly so I'm, I'm, I'm mostly in the river. Um, I do go out on the lakes sometimes to clean up, but the, the river gives me opportunity to pick up the trash because it gets collected on the banks in the vegetation and just in the natural shape of the banks. So I spend most of my time in the shipping channel between like basically the, what is it? Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse now, um, the calves to the mouth of the lake. So that's about a mile and a half. That's my normal, you know, stomping grounds, if you will. But, and that's, I, you know, I think of it as like the last chance we have to pick this stuff up before it ends up in the lake where it's virtually impossible to recover. What is your favorite, on an unrelated topic, but like what's your favorite part of Cleveland or 
it can be the, all right what's your favorite part of the river and then what's your favorite part of cleveland in general i think they're probably one and the same like i i've moved away from this city multiple times in my life and i always end up back and it's because of the people that are here you know and like the starting this organization has given me an opportunity to meet and connect with people from every walk of life, you know, every side of Cleveland, even we got plenty of people from out of town that want to come in and help clean up the Cuyahoga, which is great. But those connections, though, the community here is, is what keeps me here. So I, I, I wouldn't be doing this without, you know, the people here. That's who I'm doing it for. And that's, you know, who's making it uh, so that we can do it. Who shares most of the blame of the pollution, East Siders or West Siders? Uh, oil companies. <laughs> I, good answer. Great answer, actually. I, I just, I, aside from fishermen, I have a hard time calling out anybody for their trash. You know, I don't care if I saw you drop it out of your car window. Like, you're, it's not your fault. You know, you don't have, I mean, you could have done something better, but like, you, it shouldn't have ever gotten to you to begin with. Like, we can't, we can't accept the blame for this problem. Have you guys actually launched your nonprofit or is that in the works? So, no, we're technically still an LLC um, and uh, becoming a nonprofit is a little bit difficult, a little bit expensive, um, pretty stressful. I am actually currently working um, on a deal with another nonprofit here from Cleveland called Drink Local, Drink Tap, which like huge shout out to them. They do amazing work with water equity, especially in Africa. Um, and then they're their focus here in Cleveland is very much uh, litter pickups and things like that, beach cleanups and things. So we have a lot of the same, you know, a lot of the same mentality goes into what we do. I love them. Aaron from Drink Local Drink Tap has kind of offered me a lot of guidance in my, you know, endeavor here because I, I know nothing about, I don't know how to run a business. I don't know how to run a nonprofit. I'm literally like, I float around in garbage all day. Like if I was smarter than this, I'd, you know, probably have a better job or something. But like, so I got good help from them and they have allowed me to work under their nonprofit. So they have sponsored trash or they're going to, our paperwork is being done as we speak basically, but they are going to be our uh, financial, our fiscal sponsor. So we can act as a nonprofit until I have the means to actually become one officially. So Trash Fish itself, not a nonprofit at the moment, but sooner rather than later. That was one of my next questions is, do you get a lot of uh, corporate uh, help, volunteers, donations, and anything like that yet? Um, no, and I would say maybe that's mostly my fault. Like I'm, I am not well-versed in asking people for money. It is like the absolute last thing on the planet that I feel comfortable doing, but that's uh, the model of this business. So I'm gonna have to start getting better about it. And it makes me feel even worse that the people who are contributing are their me's and you's, you know, they're normal people with bills to pay and stuff. And it's not their fault, you know, down bottom line, again, these people should not be the ones paying for this to happen, you know? So I can't wait for the day where I can tell my followers, please stop sending me money. We have enough. And it's all thanks to these major corporations that are actually trying to pull a little bit of weight. I mean, you're doing such a service to the city of Cleveland. I would be interested to see, inter interested to see uh, if the city of Cleveland and themselves or the parks and recreation would be able to help out. Well, they already pay 
people to do this, unfortunately. Um, and they just don't quite attack it the same way that we do. Um, and I think that they're pretty good at doing what they do. And we are really good at doing what we do. So we have um, two boats that come out that are, you know, paid, they're uh, hired by the city of Cleveland. They come out, they have like a crane and they'll pick up debris. Okay. So, but most of it is logs and stuff like that. Do they get some plastic out of the river? Yeah. Every once in a while, most of the time on accident, maybe, but you know, there's, there's just no, there's no better vessel for this than a kayak. We can get right up in the trees you know, you're small, you're low to the ground, you can get right up where the trash is and get it out of there. The other people that are kind of doing remediation work here in Cleveland are doing it on large boats, which like, they pollute a lot. We're a very uh, eco-friendly organization over here, all man-powered or human-powered. But so there, there is endeavors by the city that are looking to do this. I just don't think they're attacking it in the right way. And in that vein, I think a lot of people have trouble admitting that I exist because if you admit that I'm doing what I'm doing, you're admitting that you're not doing what you should be doing. So I think the city is going to have to come around to it eventually. And I'm making plans so that they don't have a choice for much longer. Like they'll be, they'll be hearing about some of our ideas that we have to make this river a much better place for all Clevelanders. And I mean, frankly, like we said, 30, seven million people that drink water from the Great Lakes. Do you have a website people can check you out at? Um, I do, it's a little bit beta at the moment, um, but it will be up and running full blown by the spring. Um, like right now it's more or less a landing page to let you know that we exist, but uh, come spring, that's where all of our scheduling is gonna be done. So if you wanna come out, say you have time on a Tuesday morning, you can go on the website, sign up. It'll tell you everything you need to know you know, blah, blah, blah. I meet you down at the river with your boat, your life jacket, all your safety gear, a grabber. You get a little spiel. I yell about plastics. We have a good day in the sun. So the, awesome. the website I got, the website is uh, trashfishcle.com. Um, and, uh, but so it, it will take you there and there are things there, but there'll be much more come the spring. That's one of our winter projects here. One of the questions I like to ask nonprofits, which you're technically not, but let's pretend you are. Uh, if you were to receive a large donation, let's say ten, twenty thousand dollars out of the blue, what are your first uh, first things you're going to do with it? Um, well, I've put a lot of my own money into building our fleet of kayaks and getting all the safety gear and making sure that everyone has an opportunity to come out on the water, you know, regardless of skill level or their access to equipment. Um, so I've done pretty well there. It'd be nice to have a bigger fleet so we could take more people, but I have, um, I got some plans for things that we can build in the river or around the river that will stop the trash from getting to the lake. And like we talked about a little bit earlier, most of the work that we do is inside the shipping channel, which is the last six miles of the Cuyahoga River. It's where all the giant thousand foot freighters come through and navigate those twisty corners. Um, those boats take up a lot of room. So I know one of the biggest things that I'm going to have uh, to fight with is where we can put apparatus or whatever we want, you know, whatever we come up with to collect the trash. Where can we put it that is not impeding the traffic there because the, the river at this point is 
more a driveway for a couple of large businesses upriver than it is a like functioning ecosystem. So that's that's one of the biggest things we have to contend with. But if I was given some money right now, I'd be I'd be welding up and you know engineering our our trash traps for Cleveland for sure. That would be really cool. I'd be interested to see you know your your design, your idea for that, and hopefully you know the city of Cleveland would be willing to partner with you on allowing that or figuring out a way that that could work. Started off as a broken leg and a kayak and a, a passion for being on the on the water. Uh, I think it's really awesome. Um, you know, kudos to you for dedicating your your time and energy into this, where you could easily, you know, just ignore it like most people do, and just pretend it's not a thing until you know it has to be. Um, so it's awesome that you have uh, made a passion of it and uh, are getting other people out there, educating them, getting them to volunteer, and helping clean up our our natural resources here in Cleveland, which we're lucky to have. Well, I'm happy to do it. You know, I, I, I hope someday that I'm totally obsolete, but, and fingers crossed, like you said, a lot of nonprofits work to put themselves out of business. That'd be the best day of my life when trash fish has no reason to exist. Like that'll be, a, that'll be a great day for me. But until then I'm right here and I'm doing it. I'm doing it for, uh, I'm doing it for Cleveland, I guess. Let's, let's just go with that. Where can people find that awesome shirt you're wearing? I, they can't oh, see well, it obviously, but this is uh this is also a beta version we're 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 a very young organization over here and i'm i'm definitely flying by the seat of my pants and this ball seems to roll faster than i can keep up keep up with it sometimes but um our logo which i am totally in love with uh drawn by one of my buddies david uh david wilson very talented illustrator from cleveland um we're gonna have t-shirts done here pretty soon i think that's I, I fight, I struggle really hard with like, people want this stuff, you know, people ask me, oh, can I get a t-shirt or do you do stickers or like whatever? And I'm like, if I make a bunch of stickers, I just, I pollute it, you know, like having trinkets and things to like sell or give away, it, it just, it doesn't fit our model. So I, I'm trying to come up with real good ways to do it, you know, until I can afford, um, you know, sustainably sourced shirts and things like that. Like it's, it's a little bit of a struggle to want to put out more merchandise when you're, I, I, like I said, we're, we're, we're an anti-consumption program. Like we're anti-consumerism. Don't buy things that you don't have to, you know? And like, that's why the one, we will be selling shirts, I promise. But until then, if someone wanted some trash fish memorabilia, I'll send you some garbage, you know, make a donation, make a contribution to, uh, our Venmo or whatever, hit me up on Instagram. I'll send you whatever garbage you want. So where can they check out that Instagram and, and possibly um, So our, our Instagram page, uh, same as the website, but with a underscore, it is trash fish underscore C L E. And, uh, that's, that, that's basically my tag for pretty much anything I can use it for. So if we're on a social media, you can find us at that tag. Awesome, man. I appreciate your time and uh, I'm hoping we'll check you out, volunteer. And, you know, if anything, just learn that minimizing the amount of waste that they create and reducing and not, you know, buying a bunch of junk and, and you know, plastics and creating more waste will hopefully reduce our long-term impacts and hopefully put you out of uh, a business. 
I hope so. I look forward to it. <laughs> Fingers crossed, right? Thank you.